2: Attention, type two diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type two diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type two diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors
4: Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? plans with benefits are available with zero dollar co-pays for many services zero dollar monthly premiums or zero dollar deductibles that's hospital medical prescription drug dental coverage and more included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as zero dollars a month call now to see if you're eligible to enroll the consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll call 1-800-521-7617 that's 1-800-521-7617
2: Back to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network.
5: Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and border to border on iHeartRadio and also AMFM FM, 2047.com. We have got a great guest coming up here in just a few moments here on our big program. If you want to get a hold of us online, you can do that at JiggyJaguar.com. J-I-G-G-Y-J-E-G-U-A-R.com. Come, we've got a great guest with us today. Maureen Solomon is with us. She is fantastic. She is uh, our fabulous first guest here on our big pro program, movie critic, and uh, we welcome to the broadcast the great uh, Maureen Solomon. How are you, Maureen?
6: Thank you. I have to say, iHeart is one of my favorite radios.
5: <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I'm glad. I'm 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 glad we uh, have got you on with us today. Um, first of all. Talk to us a little bit about your background, because you have a very, very impressive background. Oh,
6: thank you. Um, Yeah, I've been a film historian and a music historian probably since I was a baby, almost, uh, and a photographer. And I grew up on the old movies in New York, and I always wanted to produce and write and do all those things. And uh, when I went to school, I went to film school at New York University. I made musical films, which were kind of out of fashion, but everybody loved them. And uh, then I went to work for CBS News and WOR-TV News uh, stations I had watched as a child, so it was very exciting. I got to produce some news segments. And um, then I um, became also an aficionado of uh, Fred Astaire and his work um, as I studied dance as a child, and I thought that he was the greatest, and I was able to meet him many times in New York and in Los Angeles. Uh, when I came to Los Angeles, I started working uh, in television for a film critic, and then I went on to work for different production companies. And I was lucky enough to work with Richard Pryor, Jim Carrey, and Roseanne. <laughs> uh, <Alan laughs> That's Dick, awesome. And a lot of other people, writers, producers, and directors um, in the business, including Bob Hope uh, Enterprises, too.
5: That's good stuff so, we uh, have That's
6: what I've done I've been a writer And I've done voiceovers. I've done producing And I Work for the um, Cinecon Board of the Classic Film Festival And I'm also uh, The movie critic For the Southern California Book Publicists
5: Fantastic so, uh, It's
6: been exciting And I've met a lot Of very interesting people I have a lot of Stories and anecdotes Which I'm going to Be writing about In a book that I'm doing Which is All encompassing so I'm excited about that. That's fantastic. <laughs> Is
5: that information? No, no, no. That's good. That's good. We have got a uh, great guest with us today. She joins us live here on our broadcast. And uh, I, I want to start uh, about this uh, new movie, this uh, Judy Garland uh, movie that's going to be out there. Um, uh, talk, talk to us a little bit about Judy Garland.
6: Well, Judy Garland was one of the greatest entertainers of all time. She was like Al Jolson in that she had a booming voice. She also had beautiful phrasing, and her singing was most emotional, where it could make you cry. Um, and she started out as a child child prodigy at about the age of three, which Fred Astaire, Mickey Rooney, and Mel Torme, and a lot of other people in vaudeville, and later on movies, television, and radio also started out in. And um, her voice was just quite incredible. They always said that she had the voice of a mature woman. And um, I know that when she was a child, and she was given the name Judy Garland by George Jessel, um, he he, uh, said the first song she ever sang as a child was My Bill, which is a, a tale of woman's heartache from Showboat. So she was able to uh, emote that kind of uh, emotional at the time when she was so young so then she grew up and she grew up at mgm studios where she was worked very hard along with a lot of other young talent like mickey rooney and uh, june allison later on and jane powell and um, there's a lot to be said about her being given you know uh, amphetamines and uh, downers and things like that to keep her working Um, And she worked very hard, but the thing is, I'd like to qualify, is that she enjoyed working, and she lived to sing. So a lot of that about her early life, even though it sounds very tragic, she wasn't the only one who went through it, and she was a willing participant in it. And um, when her career started to to founder later on in life, because of her uh, sort of addictions to prescription medicine mostly, and some alcohol, and marriages that failed. Um, She started going out on tour in one-woman shows all over the world. She went in um, London several times at the Palace in New York. And I have to say that I was one of the few uh, who saw Judy Garland at the Palace in New York City in 1967. And believe me, she bowled me over. She was quite amazing, even though I loved her anyway in her musicals. She also had a great sense of comedy timing and um, she made you believe everything she said and did she could do drama and she could dance she was a triple threat so she um you know she went out with a bang unfortunately she died too young at 47 from from prescription drugs and eating disorders but she was one of the greatest talents of the 20th century and she was you know brought along by mgm and um, she loved to sing and she lived to sing. And I've heard stories about her. You know, she used to sing in her bare feet at Chason's restaurant uh, and other places. She just was very, very lively and very um, ex- ex- expansive with her singing, you know, with her whole body, her hands, and her, her full throat. And she could sing in different octaves, different ranges. And she had very, very good friends. But at the end of her life, um, you know, a lot of people were were not able to keep up with her uh, demands because she was a person who was needy and needed people around her and needed people to talk to. But uh, she was one of the greatest talents that we have ever had. And I hope that more people uh, listen to her and watch her films because she's quite an amazing person.
5: Now, um, one of the things that uh, made her very special was uh, just her, her entertainment ability and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, talk about that.
6: Well, yes. Yeah, like I said, she grew up singing, and she grew up uh, at the MGM Studios, and she, she did love it. She was started out as a, a trio with two of her sisters, older sisters. And when you watch old videos about them, you can see that Judy really had the timing and the personality, uh, more so than on Judy. And Judy did become a big star. And they didn't really know what to do with her at the studios because she didn't have the typical beautiful looks that Lana Turner had or Ava Gardner had. And she kind of felt uh, intimidated by that. But It was overshadowed by the fact of her tremendous talent and her vocal ability. She was even um, trained at MGM. She had uh, people who brought her along like Roger Edens, and they even brought in a cantor to help her with her singing. She She was molded in a way so that they brought out the best in her. And I think that she really enjoyed it. I think she enjoyed the power she had to move people. And she had many men in her life who, some were good, some were not good. One of her favorite persons was Johnny Mercer, who saw her as a child. And he ended up having a nice affair with her um, when she became older. And um, I think she appreciated all the musicians and music. And she also modeled herself a bit on Al Jolson because he had an incredible effect on audiences he could make them cry. He could make them laugh. And she had that ability very well. You can see it in all of her films, like The Pirate, which was not a successful film, but she's, she's terrific in it. And she's terrific in everything she did with Gene Kelly. She's terrific with Fred Astaire in Easter Parade. Um, everything that she did from when she was an ingenue, um, she was just wonderful. She could do it all. And so they, they, had, they kept her on because she could do everything, and she became very, very popular, especially during the war years when she did a lot of radio as well. So um, all I can say is that she was somebody who lived to sing, and her voice had such emotion and just beauty in it that to this day she has fans all over the world, including myself. So, um, well, what, you, what, what did you need to know about Judy?
5: What, what, what did you think of the film?
6: The film, um, I, after I saw the film on Friday night, I thought it was uh, very exciting and very interesting. I have a little less opinion of it today, a few days later, because, of course, it was the initial reaction I had to seeing Renee Zellweger do Judy so well. She channeled her very well. But uh, you know, if you want a happy movie, this is not it, because it's the last year of Judy's life at, when she was in London, and she was desperate to make money to get back with her children and have a, a place to live, which she didn't have. So it's really kind of the disintegration of a, a once great star who rises to the task and you know, gives out her heart, singing and everything. But it's just a sad story. And I thought that they did it well, except for things that bothered me were the, the flashbacks. Um, the person I went with did not like the film because he felt he wanted to know more about Judy Garland's earlier life. But I knew that that's not what the film was about. It was about the last year of her life from 1968 to 69 in London. Um, I did feel, though, during the film that the flashbacks were disingenuous because they were highly fictionalized they were a little bit over the top with how badly judy was treated at mgm Uh, they made louis b Mayer into a monster they made her her have a a a warden who was watching everything she ate and did and i just thought it was a little bit too much uh, just too much to emphasize the fact that her childhood was not an ideal childhood but um, other than that if i had to do the picture over i would do the flashbacks much differently with not as much um, giving it so much pathos and drama, which seems too much over the top for me. But the film was very good, and Renee Zellweger was excellent in the film. I was very surprised at her ability to do Judy because I'd seen pictures of Renee as Judy, and I didn't think she looked like her, but when you see her in action, in motion, um, she does a very good job. I mean, she still is Renee, but there were times during the film where you sort of felt there was almost Judy there. And um, Renee Zellweger was there at the screening, and she spoke with the audience. She answered questions afterwards. And um, everybody was very impressed with her. But as I say, even though I like the film very much, there are some things about it that I sort of would change. And also, um, she was asked whether Judy's uh, children had seen the film, and they didn't know. But I do know Judy's uh, family does not want to see this film. They probably had their lawyers see it, because I thought, well, why would Liza, Lorna, and Joey want to see this film? Because uh, it's really the story of the deterioration of their mother in the last year of her life, and they lived it with her, so why would they want to see it? I really doubt that they would ever see it. But the overwhelming response from the audience and from people that i've talked to has been very good about the film and i have to add that renee Zellweger, renee will win the academy award in february for this film she will it was a tour de force on her part
5: we have got a great guest with us today uh, she joins us live maureen solomon is with us now um what what did you what did you critically think of the film? Was it uh, accurate portrayal and everything?
6: Um, well, you know, it was ac- accurate as as far as a movie can be when you know all the dialogue is made up. Um, it was based on a play. I heard the play was much more of a depressing thing, and they I guess they had to make it a little bit more uplifting for the d- movie audience. But I don't know how you can make it more uplifting. They didn't end. I don't want to spoil it for your audience, but they didn't end with the end of Judy. They ended with a few months before. Um, I thought the movie was was pretty good as an acting role for Renee Zellweger. And for me, to see see Judy Garland brought back to the fore, I love that. Um, But, you know, we would love to see, as my friend said, I'd like to see more about her life. But maybe they felt it wasn't you know, as dramatic or as important. But, you know, all of these performers, their lives are very interesting. I mean, Fred Astaire, Bing Crosby, Errol Flynn, Judy Garland, uh, Betty Davis, all these, William Holden, they all had very interesting lives. And so I thought the film was good, but it did center on a small part of her life. And I think they did it as best they can. You know, the film was entertaining. The audience loved it. Renee did a great job. Um, There's only a few things I can find fault with because I am more knowledgeable about the real Judy Garland than probably most people, having seen her, grown up with her films, and watching her uh, CBS TV show that she had in the early 1960s where you can see she still had it. And so it's very hard to believe that she passed away only a few years after that show where she really did give her all. And um, So I would recommend the film to people to see it. Uh, If they know Judy Garland, if they don't know Judy Garland, I really would recommend it to people and they would get an idea of what she was like. They might want to find out more about her life and her career, which was at the most interesting time of Hollywood's history, no doubt.
5: We have got a great guest with us today. Maureen Solomon is with us, a fabulous movie reviewer, and she joins us live here on the telephone. Now, do you have any f- familiarity here with uh, how, I guess, the, the, the outside world would, would perceive this film? The
6: outside world meaning people who don't
5: know Judy yeah, Garland? Yeah, people who are, who are not in the industry, who didn't know Judy. and uh, Well, you don't
6: have to be in the industry to know Judy Garland, but... Um, I don't know what people in the industry would think about it. I know what I think, but people who don't know Judy Garland, they might like it. They might like it the way they saw you know, the Johnny Cash movie or the movie about Ray or certain movies that are uh, biographies. I happen to love biographies. I watched Paul Muni in two biographies last night, which were wonderful because it gave you a sense of history about the time of uh, Zola and Pasteur. So I'm not sure how people would feel, but I think they would probably like the film, being that the audiences today are more accustomed to downbeat films. But I think that should change, and I think people should go in for more upbeat films, and that Hollywood should make them.
5: Fantastic. Well, uh, before we let you go, how do we find you online, uh, websites? uh, how, how How do people get in touch with you?
6: Well, they, I'm not online, and I don't have a website. I should, really. I haven't gotten around to that because I've been writing and doing a lot of things. But if you would like to refer people to me, that would be fine through my um, my email. Is that what you like?
5: Yes. We uh, we'll, we'll, What we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put that up at the end of the program. I appreciate it, Maureen. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. There she goes, Marine Solomon.
2: Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR, or other inhibitors
4: prescription prescription drugs, dental, hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more, included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-521-7617. That's 1-800-521-7617.
2: Back to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network.
5: Welcome back to our big program. We have got Frank Fernuccio joining us back on our show here. And uh, Frank is going to be with us here in just a few moments. He is a nationally recognized analyst and uh, foreign policy expert. When we go to the telephones, we've got our good friend Frank Fernuccio with us today. Now, um, I, I have this, this interesting uh, topic here today. It seems that there's all these... Uh, Trump is lashing out at Pelosi as uh, she visits Jordan to discuss Syria. Uh, President Trump on Sunday took aim at Speaker Nancy Pelosi as she led a bipartisan congressional delegation to Jordan to discuss the administration's recent decision to pull troops from Syria. Um, Trump, in a tweet, was referring to former President Obama's vow to use military force against Syrian government. Uh, My question is, how many people think that they're the president, Frank?
7: (laughs) 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 It's a good question, James. And, you know, while we can talk about Pelosi uh, doing this sort of uh, discussion overseas, what's disturbing is that you've had a number of private citizens, people now outside the government, Who have been going to uh, Iran trying to negotiate foreign policy without any legal right to do so? (laughs) I'm thinking, of course, of John Kerry. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) John Kerry did that. It is technically a violation of the Logan Act. The Logan Act, James, you recall, is federal law that says that private citizens can't negotiate with foreign governments. And uh, the reality is the Logan Law was broken by an ex secretary, emphasis on the ex. Uh, John Kerry, uh, but frankly, the Logan Act has never actually, uh, violations of it have never actually been punished, so I guess the assumption was that uh, he would get away with it scot-free, as indeed he has. <laughs> now, of course, the Speaker of the House certainly has more of a right to go over and discuss with foreign leaders aspects of American policy. The problem is, there was a time in American history when it was said that politics ended at our shorelines, and that overseas, we all spoke with one voice. It made America a lot stronger to do so. Uh, Pelosi, of course, has uh, kind of abandoned that principle and is trying to uh, go over the head of Donald Trump, which is not unfamiliar, of course. Ever since the election of 2016, the Democrats uh, have certainly tried to do everything possible to restrict the President Trump's exercise of his own presidential prerogatives.
5: We have got uh, the fantastic, fantastic Frank Fernuccio with us today. He joins us live here on our big program, and uh, a, a lot of other uh, issues that are going on out there in the world around us uh, include this, uh, this bit, this impeachment situation. This seems to be taking longer than expected. Uh, wh- what do you make of this whole thing? Well, two
7: major points to consider. Number one. According to almost all constitutional scholars, particularly Alan Dershowitz, former head of Harvard Law School and the country's perhaps most noted constitutional scholar, there's no there there. There's nothing that was ever done that was impeachable. Now, if you take everything the Democrats have said that President Trump has done, and you take it as gospel, that in fact he did all the things the Democrats say he did, it's still not an impeachable offense. And Speaker Pelosi, I think, strongly recognizes that because she refuses to bring the impeachment question to a full vote of the House, as it's supposed to do. She's trying to make it a committee action, a committee, of course, strongly controlled by Democrats she handpicks. That makes not only the basis of the impeachment charge uh, unlawful or irrelevant, it makes the process of impeachment unlawful and irrelevant as well so what we're seeing essentially is a temper tantrum on the part of speaker pelosi and her acolytes uh they didn't get elected in 2016 to they didn't get the white house they wanted and this is a continuing part of the temper tantrum that has been gone going pretty much since election day in 2016.
5: we've got frank Bernuccio with us today he joins us live here in our program, and uh, another situation that uh, seems to be not going away and started in 2016 is Hillary uh, running for president. There uh, <laughs> is a rumor now. <laughs> now, now that
7: James, now, James, come now. You know it's Halloween season, <laughs> and you know that vampires are never really killed. They always come out in the next movie for one reason yes. or another. Yes. Hillary Clinton is the vampire of American politics. You can put a wooden stake through her heart, but she comes right back in the next scene.
5: I'll tell you what. What do you make of this? This is crazy.
7: Well, I, I am surprised, on a serious note, that Hillary Clinton, an astute and a seasoned politician, didn't recognize the huge mistake that she made when she called uh, Tulsi Gabbard uh, a Russian agent, or basically someone handpicked by the Russians to win the White House. Obviously, Tulsi Gabbard is is no Russian agent. Obviously, she is no, but Stooge or fool, Um, so clearly the charge is false. But let's go back all the way to 2016 again, when the Clinton campaign paid for that document that uh, alleged that Donald Trump was getting help from the Russians. I am shocked that Hillary Clinton doesn't realize the public is putting two and two together and realizing that just as the charges against Tulsi Gabbard are nothing more than sheer nonsense, so too were the charges against President Trump. Nothing but sheer nonsense.
5: We have got Frank Fernuccio joining us today here on our program and uh USA Gov Policy is where you can find Mr. Frank Fernuccio. Bring us up to speed on your radio program. What do you have coming up this weekend, my friend?
7: Well, we are talking to two very interesting guests. We have got excuse me. Everett Bartlett, who's gonna be talking a lot about uh The Second Amendment, um, we're going to be talking about the abusive environment that's resulted in politics, where, you know, there was a time when we could scream and yell at each other, but not throw stones or throw fists at each other. Everett is going to be talking about how violent politics has become in the United States, particularly on the part of the left. We're also going to be talking to Matthew Vadim, who is going to be talking a lot about uh, Adam Schiff, the, uh, the head of the Intelligence Committee of the House, and how Russian collusion, just as we were talking about a few seconds ago, turned out to be nothing but sheer nonsense.
5: Absolutely amazing. And, uh, Frank, uh, thanks for being with us, and then I will talk to you next week. Thank you, my man.
7: James, I look forward to our next discussion.
5: Definitely. Thank you, my friend. There he goes, Frank Vernuccio. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we have got more on the other side.
2: Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors
4: prescription drugs, dental, hearing, vision, and more. In many areas, plans with benefits are available with $0 copays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more, included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free and there's no obligation to enroll. Call 1-800-521-7617. That's 1-800-521-7617.
2: Back to the Jiggy Jaguar radio show on the network.
5: Welcome back to our big broadcast. We are live coast to coast and border to border on TuneIn. I think we just lost our guest. Uh, iTunes, Radio Loyalty, and uh, Stitcher over there at JiggyJaguar.com. It is iHeartRadio today, also AMFM, 247.com. And uh, get a hold of us online, jiggyjaguar.com. And I think we've got our guest back with us. And uh, Dan joins us live here in a broadcast. Dan, how are you, my friend? Hey,
7: excellent. Thanks for having me on your show.
5: Now, Dan, there is a lot going on uh, in the news, it seems. Uh, first of all, let, 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 let's let start with uh, some of the latest. What well, what do you make of some of the different headlines that are going on out there, my friend, con- concerning uh, your your wheelhouse, as they say?
8: Well, I think the biggest one right now, the most ridiculous one, is you know the the Beto O'Rourke gun grab, and uh, this is where, you know, Beto kind of let the cat out of the bag for the Democrats by letting everyone know that it's, their real intent is to, to confiscate guns as much as they wanted to uh, not let that information get out. So Beto comes out and, you know, he, he, he basically comes out and says it. So it says a lot about what the, the Democrats really want to do should they gain political power, and I think it's something that we're all concerned with.
5: Now, um... How is he doing in the polls does 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 anybody care about this guy at this point still or right, right. <laughs>
8: well that's a good yeah that's a good good question and he's not doing very well in the polls uh no we don't really care about him uh, in particular but we we do can we do care about the uh about the intent um, his intent because that gun grabbing a intent uh you know is it runs throughout
5: the Democratic Party. We've got Dan Woos with us today. He joins us live. He's a nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate and spokesperson. He uh, joins us today here on our broadcast. He has a fantastic series of books. They are available on Amazon. And uh, so th- this this whole situation with um, Bader O'Rourke and uh, Pete Buttigieg and uh, some of these other folks. Um, they basically are, are clashing over the Democratic Party's policy on gun control. Um, yeah, th- 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 this is a very interesting topic. Break it down for us here.
8: Well, I think what's really interesting is, you know, Beto was just interviewed uh, on CNN, and Allison Camarada or whatever, I can't remember her, yes, her last name. But yes. She was asking him, you know, what, what happens when you get that lawful... AR-15 owner who just decides that he doesn't want to turn in his gun. Uh, what are you going to do, Beto? And he beat around the bush and he tried to get out from answering the question. Uh, she kept pushing him. And eventually what he said, uh, in his way of, of not actually coming out and saying confiscation, he said that the uh, they would be visited by law enforcement. There would be a visit from law enforcement, uh, which ultimately means confiscation. So, you know, it's, it's this sort of attitude that we real Americans will not tolerate. It, it, this is not what our country was, was founded on, um, and we just won't have it. And I think even many Democrats are gun owners, and they won't have it either. So I think this is going to be uh, very destructive uh, to the Democratic Party when it comes to time for uh, voting in 2020. Uh, and um, I think it reveals, you know, really how they feel. They want a government controlled society
5: and uh, real Americans won't have it. We've got Dan Wu with us today, nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate, spokesperson. He is also the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical, and Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative. He's with us today here on our big broadcast here on iHeartRadio and also AMFM247.com. And Dan... Uh, why did we get rid of the assault weapons ban way back in the day when that seemed to be working and we didn't have some of the issues that we have? Uh, and, I, and, and I know there was a lot of gun owners that, that were in support of that assault weapons ban back in the day. Uh, why did we get rid of it, and why can't we just go back to that?
8: Well, initially, nobody believed that the assault weapons ban uh, the one that Feinstein was was behind, and uh, this is this. This, by the way, is when the term assault weapon became part of our our, our uh, discussion in the public forum. Uh, it was never that term was never really used. Uh, assault weapon was created primarily for to, to scare people. But what happened in '94 when that bill was signed into law? Uh, no, you know, half the people may have wanted it. Half the people didn't believe it was going to work. So they they had a sunset. In there, where it would sunset in 10 years um, should it produce no results in uh, stopping or slowing down violence. And 10 years later, studies showed that it did nothing to stop violence. And it sunsetted and it went off the books, which it should never have been there in the first place. So, I think the reason some people may have thought it was a good idea is because some people do believe that taking those type of guns off the streets would stop violence. It's not true. It doesn't. It doesn't work. The uh, the assault weapons ban of 94 proved that. Uh, there there's studies that show, and and uh, there's, there's really no dispute over why it sunsetted, because it didn't work. Now Democrats want to try it again. The only reason that they have a chance of trying that again is because they've built such a, a, a fear campaign over these, so-called assault weapons, um, that, again, is a bunch of propaganda. Rifles are are used in such a tiny fraction of of the uh, homicides in our country, Uh, but yet the fear and the propaganda around them has been fierce, specifically for the purpose of implementing another assault weapons ban that won't work.
5: We have got the great Dan Woos with us today, nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate, spokesperson. He's the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy and Good Gun, Bad Guy 2. And he joins us today here on our big broadcast. And uh, the the Republicans, it it seems, and this is always the thing that that just bothers the crap out of me when it comes to uh, the Republicans and some of the things that they talk about, Dan. Um, I remember... I don't know. It was probably oh, I'm trying to remember the year now. But uh, when when they when they got into office and they were they they swept into office and they were immediately going to do all these different things. And then they kept saying, "Oh, our hands are tied" when they had all the power and uh, they couldn't pass any bills, couldn't do anything. Uh, I'm worried that if we have a situation where you know Trump gets reelected and they still stay in power or they gain more power um they'll be easily influenced by you know the donors and potential you know democrats that are in there or what have you and be pressured into doing things with guns um how do we prevent that how how do people go about preventing something like that
8: well you know great question great question we have to Remind those people, Republicans or Democrats, uh, who they work for, and they work for us. And this is why we have groups like the NRA, Gun Owners of America, Second Amendment Foundation, other pro-Second Amendment groups, um, grassroots operations, you know, that the people become members of. And uh, we get to speak our voice uh on the second amendment through these organizations who go to court for us they fight uh second amendment violating uh bills and laws and uh they they do the work that we needed them to do to preserve uh our second amendment and to keep uh democrats and even some republicans uh, in check so it's always very important to to be involved with those groups and uh and, and become a member.
5: We've got the fabulous Dan Wu's with us today. He joins us live here in a broadcast, and um, I know the NRA is is a is a big big organization. I know that there's a lot of other gun owner organizations out there. Um, is there a possibility to be able to get everybody on the same page, or is it, you know, one one way or the highway kind of concept?
8: Well. There, there, there are some minor uh, disagreements within the gun community. For instance, there are some organizations that might be a little more uh, uh, willing to compromise, and there are other groups that won't compromise. Uh, so we do have our little bit of disagreements, but ultimately, and I can tell you, ultimately the gun pro-gun organizations and the people uh, ultimately come together uh, in, in unity Uh, And, Bill, we have a huge alliance, uh, pro-gun alliance in this country that people just aren't aware of. Uh, I just got back from speaking at a conference, uh, the Gun Rights Policy Conference in in, uh, Phoenix. It was in Phoenix this year. And the spirit and the uh, alliance among gun owners is absolutely unbelievable. People would never believe it um, unless uh, unless they were there to experience it. So we're strong. We're millions strong. And uh, our gun or- organizations do uh, do come together when, when needed.
5: We've got Dan Woos with us today. He joins us live here in our broadcast. And uh, Dan, what what do you make of um, I guess gun owners and social media and some of the different things that because uh, there's there's a lot of folks that have YouTube channels and they they do things on Facebook Live and and things, uh, is that a good way for gun owners and, and Second Amendment advocates to get their uh, message across?
8: Well, yeah, I mean, it is It is the only thing we have, really. It's the only thing everybody has. We all use the same social media outlets, uh, whether you're a gun owner or a non-gun owner or a conservative or liberal or whatever. We all use the same outlets uh, pretty much. Um, the problem is um, we're playing on their ball field, and what we see a lot of is conservative voices and pro-gun voices being shut down. So, what do we do about that? Well, we can uh, kick and scream and complain, which we don't like to do, or we can start uh, creating our own outlets and, and really bringing uh, our message uh, to the masses. And I think that's a lot what Donald Trump is trying to do. I think the way he does his uh, public, uh, uh, you know, messages uh, is, is very unique to any other president. Nobody's ever been quite like him in that way. Uh, so the message is getting out. We are effectively shutting down. Not shutting down, but we're affecting uh, the fake news outlets. And uh, I think we're I think we're having a stride right now that we never saw in the media. So so things are good in that respect. Uh, but they're also. We also have to keep in mind that we are playing on their ball field.
5: We've got a great guest with us today. Dan Wu's with us, nationally recognized, Second Amendment advocate and spokesperson. He's the author of Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies: of The Anti-Gun Radical, and Good Gun, Bad Guy Two: Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative. He joins us today here. On our big program, and uh, we are going to take a brief time out with Dan. When we come back, we're going to talk about his books. We have got more coming up on the other side. It is the big broadcast. we got more
3: coming up.
1: Best advertising, there's just one place to go. LEDsigns.com. LED S I G N Z. LEDsigns.com get you customers guaranteed. Rent a portable LED sign from LEDsigns.com and it will be delivered to your destination for about $33 a day. Or rent to own it. Advertise your business, service, or products all day, every day. That's LEDsigns.com. LED S I G N Z. Give the a call today 1-800-955-0505 and get a complete advertising package deal visit ledsigns.com l-e-d-s-i-g-n-z fill out the form and mention in the comments that phil anderson sent you ledsigns.com advertising done right Peacemaker Coffee understand the ritual of the pour over is like a meditation. There's no machine in your way, no flashing green lights, no electric power cords, just you and a few simple tools. The final cup is reminiscent of one from a drip coffee maker, but noticeably more delicate and complex. With Peacemaker Coffee, observe the bloom. Experience the first trace of coffee steam. Notice how the spiral of the pour alters the final cup. This simple experience gets you in tune with your coffee peacemaker coffee company is a coffee company that supports law enforcement and knows how to make a great cup of coffee peacemaker coffee is dedicated to the men and women serving in this great country of ours and to the men and women who support them visit their website today peacemakercoffeecompany.com
2: To the Jiggy Jaguar Radio Show on the
5: network. We are back live here with Dan Woos. He is fantastic. He is a nationally recognized Second Amendment advocate and spokesperson. He is the author of "Good Gun, Bad Guy: Behind the Lies of the Anti-Gun Radical" and "Good Gun, Bad Guy Two: Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative." We're going to talk about both those books right now here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Now, Dan, first of all, talk to us a little bit about this first book. Take me down the, the writing process and, and what you did to put this book together.
8: Well, it's pretty interesting. I, I was um, I was raised in a pro-gun family. My dad took me hunting and target shooting, but I was never really into, into guns. And, and even in my teens and 20s, I... I don't want anti-gun. I, I like to say I was hanging with the wrong crowd. I was hanging with, you know, anti-gun liberals. And that stuff got into my head, and I started to believe a lot of the nonsense that, the, that people believe about guns, that they're scary and dangerous and they make people do bad things. You know, I started to actually buy into that nonsense. So I went anti-gun uh, for a little while in my life. It wasn't until my wife and I had a, a situation where we're in potential danger. And uh, it was that, I tell the story in, in the book, and it was that night that I realized that, you know, I had a view of guns in a completely wrong and delusional way. Uh, so it changed me, you know, and when I realized that I, I was unable to defend myself and my wife, um, that changed me, and I started looking at guns differently. Uh, and then I, I wrote a book, I wrote an article called uh, The Fear of Guns that got picked up by a bunch of websites. and. That article was about that night, and it, it became the first chapter of the first book. Um, Good Gun, Bad Guy turned out to be a book that really exposed the lies and, and strategies and tactics of the anti-gun crowd and how easily they manipulate people who don't know any better into fearing guns and hating gun owners. So the first yes. book is about the strategies and tactics.
5: We have got Dan Woos yes. with us today. He has got a fantastic set of books Good Gun, Bad Guy, Behind the Lies of the Anti Gun Radical, and Good Gun, Bad Guy 2. We're talking about Good Gun, Bad Guy, the uh, very first one. Now, um, what were some of the different lies that you found uh, along the way that you just had to include in the book?
8: Well, I think that, like the biggest lie that they'll do they'll is they'll use terminology, you know, fake terminology. Things like. You know, Wild West and assault weapon and, and all these scary terms. Uh, oh, and gun, gun violence. Now, here's the biggest lie of them all. The term gun violence. There's no such thing as gun violence. That people need to understand that. Gun violence does not exist. Yet, it's at the center of the the, the gun conversation. Um, human violence is what we really should be talking about. but. The gun grabbers—they don't want to talk about human violence because what that would do is reflect poorly on their on the policies that they support. You know, because if we had to talk about human violence, we'd have to talk about a lot of stuff, like rampant pharmaceutical drug use and welfare dependency and gang violence and, and these dangerous gun-free zones that they support and, and open borders, sanctuary cities where criminals are are not held accountable for their actions. Um, all these things would shine a spotlight on the policies that these very gun grabbers support so they say the biggest lie is gun violence making you think that the problem is guns
5: we have got dan woo's with us today we're talking about good gun bad guy behind the lies of the anti-gun radical and his second book which we'll talk about here in just a few moments now this first book uh what were some of your goals for the book
8: well, that's the funny thing, because I really didn't have any goals. This book, the first book, just happened, and I don't know how. I don't even remember the process. It just happened. It was almost like it wrote itself, and um, there was no intent. There was just uh, open uh, writing that I just kept doing. And when I had a topic I wanted to talk about, um, I, would op- I would create that chapter uh, and... And uh, the research that led me, the book led me to do, was just unbelievable. I, I went so in-depth on so many different areas of research with respect to the gun conversation um, that I, I, I really didn't have a, a goal. Honestly, I didn't have a goal. I just wrote. And I think that's one of the things that people say they love so much about the book is that I, I write like I talk. You know, I was never a writer. That's fantastic. But, you know, and, and they say that people say they love the book because um, because it says what they're thinking but can't put into words. Yes. So I got lucky.
5: That's awesome. We have got uh, Dan Woos with us today. He joins us live here on our big program here on iHeartRadio and amfm247.com. Now, when you wrote Good Gun, Bad Guy 2, Destroying the Anti-Gun Narrative, uh, what was the writing process? Was it pretty much the same? Did you use the same template? Or how did that all work for you?
8: Well, partly, yeah. I mean, partly uh, it it flowed the same. It flowed very similar to the first book with respect to chapters and topics. Uh, But there was more of an intent with the second book. And, And the intent was to really show... How the media influences the land the gun conversation and the, the entire landscape. What the media's involvement is. So, you know, it's it's uh, destroying the anti gun narrative. And what it does is it explains there how they convince people to get on board with gun control and gun restrictions, and how they how the media and how, how anti gun politicians uh, protect people from the truth and feed them a diet of gun lies. Uh, The strategies are amazing. Uh, We don't always recognize them, but it happens to us every single day. Every time we turn the news on, there's strategies being being used against us, and and that's where the second book uh, goes.
5: We've got Dan Moos with us today. He joins us live here on iHeartRadio and AMFM247.com. Now, are you writing a third book? Is that, is that on the way or can you talk about that yet or?
8: Yeah. Yeah, I, actually I am. And it's, it's being edited right now as we speak. And, uh, it's good gun, bad guy three. Um, and what, what I talk about in, in number three is the politics. It's, it's the subtitle is exposing anti-gun politics and why, uh, we are in a place where our political uh, employees our, our our government employees are uh, pushing for gun restrictions and gun control you know what's behind that what's their intent why are they doing it so the third book gets more into the politics so the three books together the whole series is really going to lay out the gun narrative in our in our country and and uh hopefully people will uh we'll see it for what it really is and and push back.
5: We have got the fantastic Dan Woos with us today. He joins us live. And uh, What exactly do you want the Republican or Democrat uh, representatives that are going to be running for president next year, what should their platform on guns be?
8: I think when it comes to Democrats, I think keep doing what you're doing uh, because you are American and so traditional American and so anti-gun and so anti-right um, that you're defeating yourself so keep doing keep up the good work uh, real Americans don't want you real Americans will reject you uh, real Americans understand that freedom is what this country was founded on and that's what we want we want capitalism we want freedom we want guns to protect ourselves and our families so the Democrats can um, you know, keep doing it. Actually, they should ramp it up a little bit, uh, bring the rhetoric to a, to a feverish pitch um, so people can really see their, their true intent.
5: We have got Dan Woos with us today. He joins us live. And uh, before we let you go, Dan, how do we find you on social media, websites, pick your book up, everything else?
8: Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh,
5: yeah, we always down. love having you here, man.
8: Any Anytime you guys want to do this, again, just just let me know. Just give me a shout. Um, people can find my books at goodgunbadguy.net or goodgunbadguy.com or search Good Gun Bad Guy on Amazon. And uh, the third edition will be coming out here. We're hoping for pushing hard for a Christmas release. So uh, follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, the name's Dan Wass, and it's spelled D-A-N-W-O-S as in Sam. And you can find me on all the social media sites. And, uh, and uh, yeah, net. Thank you so much for having me.
5: Fantastic. Well, Dan, have yourself a wonderful, wonderful day, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. There he goes, Mr. Dan Woos. Dan Waz, I guess. We're going to take a timeout. And when we come back, we've got more coming up on the other side.
2: Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other Attention, type 2 diabetics. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes and suffered amputation of the toes, feet, or legs, you may be entitled to substantial financial compensation. The FDA has warned that Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR and other inhibitors for type 2 diabetes cause an increased role in amputations of the toes, feet, and legs. If you or a loved one has taken Invokana, Invokamet, or Invokamet XR or other inhibitors
4: Are you getting the most out of your Medicare plan? Are you sure? plans with benefits are available with $0 co-pays for many services, $0 monthly premiums, or $0 deductibles. That's hospital, medical, prescription drug, dental coverage, and more, included in one plan with premiums that may be as low as $0 a month. Call now to see if you're eligible to enroll. The consultation is free, and there's no obligation to enroll. Call one eight hundred five two one seventy six seventeen. That's one eight hundred five two one seventy six seventeen.
0: Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but...